Chapter 9 Who then can be saved? Then who can be saved? Mark chapter 10 verse 26 The disciples asked Jesus that question. He had just told them how hard it was for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, and the disciples seem to have held the same opinion as most men hold today, that a rich man can get anywhere. But Jesus said no. It was easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then they asked the question, If that is so, if it is so hard for a rich man to be saved, what chance does anyone else have? Then who can be saved? Jesus told them that it was impossible with men for a rich man to be saved. The rich man stands the poorest chance of salvation of anybody on earth. There are fewer rich people saved than people of any other class. Jesus told them that God, with whom all things are possible, could save even a rich man, but nobody except God could do this. We come then to the question itself. Then who can be saved? The Bible answers the question fully and plainly. The Bible tells us that there are some people who cannot be saved and that there are some people who can be saved. Who cannot be saved? In the first place, no man can be saved who will not give up his sin. We read in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. But if he will not forsake his ways and turn to God, he cannot be saved. Every man and every woman has to choose between sin and salvation. You cannot have both. If you won't give up sin, you must give up salvation. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. There are schemes of salvation that propose salvation for a man while he continues in sin. These schemes are absurdities. We read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 concerning our Savior, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for it is he that shall save his people from their sins, from their sins, not in them. You cannot save a man while he continues in sin. Sin is damnation. Holiness is salvation. And you might as well propose to cure a man who is ill while he continues in his disease as to save a sinner while he continues in his sin. A man is not cured until he is well, and a man is not saved until he quits sin. The reason some of you are not saved is that you won't give up sin. Some of you won't give up your drunkenness. Some of you won't give up your adultery. Some of you won't give up your profanity. Some of you won't give up your lying. Some of you won't give up your bad temper. Some won't give up one thing and some won't give up another. Well then, you must go into hell. You cannot be saved if you won't give up sin. And if you persist in sinning, you will be lost forever. A man in Chicago,
came to a friend of mine and said, I want to be saved. My friend replied, You do not want to be saved. But he said, I do. My friend said, You are not willing to give up your drinking. No, he said, I am not. Well then, you do not want to be saved. To be repent means to give up sin. Jesus Christ can save any man, but Jesus Christ won't. He can't save a man who won't give up his sin. Scripture, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Luke chapter 13, verse 5. In the second place, no man can be saved who trusts in his own righteousness and is not willing to admit that he is a lost sinner. That is the trouble with many of you. You are proud of your own morality. You are not willing to get down to the dust and say, I am a poor, vile, worthless, miserable sinner. You will never be saved and never can be saved while you trust in your own righteousness. Jesus tells us that two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one of the most respectable religious men in the community, a man that everybody looked up to. The other was a publican, a man that everybody looked down upon. The Pharisee prayed this way. He talked about his own goodness. He looked up and said, God, I thank thee that I am not as the rest of men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. And then he looked contemptuously over to the poor publican, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. Quite religious, wasn't he? I give tithes of all that I get. Luke chapter 18, verses 11 through 12. And Jesus said that this man went out of the temple down to his house, an unforgiven, lost sinner. But the publican, the outcast, the man that everybody looked down upon, would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. He felt he was a miserable, worthless sinner. He beat upon his breast and said, God, be thou merciful to me, a sinner. Luke chapter 18, verse 13. And Jesus said that this man went down to his house justified. Anybody can be saved who will take the sinner's place and cry for mercy. Nobody else can. I have a quaint friend who is Scottish. One day he was walking through the country when a man came along in a carriage. He saw the old man walking and invited him to get into the carriage, which he very promptly did, for he saw an opportunity for doing good. The man who had invited him into the carriage was curious to know who the old Scotsman was, so he asked him questions. Finally, the old Scotsman said, I will tell you who I am, and I will tell you what my business is. I have a very strange business. I am hunting for heirs. The other man said, What? I am hunting for heirs, heirs to a great estate. I represent a very great estate, and I am hunting for heirs for it. There are many around this neighborhood. The other said, Do you mind telling me their names? No, he said. It is a very large family, and their name begins with S. Oh, said the man. Smith, I suppose. No, the old man replied. A much larger family than the Smith family. He says, Larger than the Smith family? Who are they? The old Scotsman said, 
they are the sinner family. The estate I represent is the kingdom of God, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. 1 Peter 1, verse 4. And the heirs to it are the sinners who are willing to take the family name, admit that they are sinners, and look to God for pardon. Do you belong to that family? Do you belong to the sinner family? If you do, you can be saved. If you are not willing to admit that you do, you cannot be saved. You are lost forever. In the third place, no man or woman can be saved who is not willing to accept salvation as a free gift. We are told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace have ye been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us, The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation is a free gift. Anybody can have it. If you are not willing to take it as a free gift, you cannot have it at all. My wife was talking one day with a young man, a son of the richest man in the neighborhood. There seemed to be some difficulty about his accepting Christ. Finally, my wife said to him, calling him by his name, The trouble with you is you are not willing to accept salvation as a free gift. He said, Mrs. Torrey, that is just it. I am not willing to accept salvation as a free gift. If I could earn it, if I could work for it, if I could deserve it, I would. I am willing to earn it, but I am not willing to take it as a free gift. Well, nobody can earn it. Nobody can work for it. Nobody can deserve it. Nobody can get it except for nothing. And unless you are willing to take it as a free gift, you will never get it at all. The richest millionaire has to get it the same way as the pauper, as a free gift. The richest man on earth who gets saved will have nothing more to boast of when he gets to heaven than the poorest pauper who was saved. Fourth, nobody can be saved who will not accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. We are told in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there any other name under heaven that is given among men wherein we must be saved. Anybody can be saved in Christ. Nobody can be saved in any other way. An infidel once said to a friend of mine, Mr. Henry Varley, If I cannot be saved without accepting Christ, I won't be saved. Well then, he won't be saved. That is all there is to it. He won't be saved. If you should ever go to Sydney, you will soon discover that every citizen in the city is proud of their harbor. You won't be in Sydney half an hour before somebody will ask you, what do you think of our harbor? They may well be proud of it. It is one of the finest, if not the finest, harbor in the world. Beautiful and spacious. But it has only one entrance. There is one high promontory of rock called the North Head, and another high promontory called the South Head, and the only channel, which is wide and deep, is between these two heads. A short distance south of the South Head is another bluff called Jacob's Ladder. One night, many years ago, a vessel called the Duncan Dunbar, with hundreds of people on board, came outside of Sydney Harbor after dark. The captain saw the South Head and thought it was the North Head, 
He saw Jacob's ladder and thought it was the south head. He steered and advanced full speed. He steamed in between the two lights and ran on to the rocks, and every one of the hundreds on board perished, except one man, who was thrown up into a cave on the face of the rock. Now, that captain was perfectly sincere. There never was a more sincere man on earth, but he was mistaken, and he was lost. People say it does not make any difference what you believe if you are only sincere, but the more sincerely you believe error, the worse off you are. There is just one channel into salvation, and that is Christ. Try to go any other way, no matter how sincere you are, and you will be wrecked and lost eternally. Who can be saved? First, sinners can be saved, even the vilest. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, Faithful is the saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He has already saved the chief of sinners, and he is able to do it again. In Minneapolis, where I used to live, a young girl of thirteen was seduced. Her father and mother cast her off. All the more shame for them. Her brothers cast her off, and I doubt they were any better than she was, but it is one thing for a girl to sin and another thing for a man to sin. In the eyes of man, it is worse for the girl, but it is not so in the eyes of God. They cast off this poor girl of only thirteen years of age, and I think they were worse than she was, more devilish. Of course, she transgressed. She became the companion of thieves, robbers, forgers, and murderers. She participated in everything that was disreputable and became a member of two of the worst gangs at different times in New York and Chicago. One night, when she had plummeted into sin, a friend of mine met her and said to her, If you are ever sick of this life, come to me, and I will help you out of it. A night came when she was thoroughly sick of it, and she went to this gentleman's house, a very wealthy man who used his money for God. He was one rich man who was saved, but he had given most of his money away. She went to his house. His wife tried to show her the way of life. After a while, the gentleman came in and showed her the way of life, and she was saved. Today, that young woman occupies a high position of great responsibility and honor in America, and almost no one in society where she is a high officer even knows of her past life. God has covered it up, though she bears the same name as she did in that life. A few years ago, I was in Northfield, and she came to me and said, I hope, Mr. Torrey, that you won't think it necessary to tell the people here. Mrs. Torrey and I were about the only ones who knew her past record. She had been in our house in the days of her trouble. I hope you won't think it necessary to tell the people here my story. I said, most assuredly we shall not. For why should you tell a saved woman's story, when it is covered by the blood any more than a saved man's story? It is no longer her story, it is blotted out. And that woman is today a highly honored woman. Out of the deepest depth of sin, Jesus Christ has not only saved her, but also covered up her past. In the second place, 
any man or woman who is too weak to resist sin in their own strength can be saved. It is not a question of your strength, but of Christ's strength. We read in Jude 1 verse 24, Now unto him that is able to guard you from stumbling, and to set you before the presence of his glory without blemish in exceeding joy. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5, who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation. Jesus Christ can keep the weakest man or woman just as well as the strongest. I have seen men start out in the Christian life who talk like this in testimony meetings. Friends, you know me. I am a man of great decision of character. When I make up my mind to do anything, I always follow through. I have started out in this Christian life, and I want you to understand that I am not going to backslide as so many do. I am following through. Whenever I hear a man talking that way, I know he is going to backslide within six weeks. Another man will stand up trembling and hesitant, and he will say, You all know me. You know I have no willpower left. I have tried to quit my sin, time and again, and as you know, I have failed every time. I have absolutely no confidence in myself. But God says in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And I am trusting in him. When I hear a man talking that way, I know he is going to stand every time. One day some people came to me in Chicago and said, We must find a place for Mrs. S. I said, Why? Well, they said, Nels got drunk last night and tried to kill his wife with a shoe knife, and it is not safe for her nor her child, so she has left her husband. We must do something to provide for her. I said, You are quite right to provide for her. That is what we ought to do. Not long after, Nels came to me and said, Mr. Torrey, do you know where my wife is? I said, I do. He said, Will you please tell me where she is? I replied, I will not. You tried to kill her. You are a brute. You do not deserve to have a wife, and I am not going to tell you where she is to let you go and kill her. He said, If you do not tell me, I will commit suicide. Very well, I said. You will go to hell if you do. That kind of fellow never commits suicide. He kept getting drunk. He could not help it, poor fellow. Every little while he would come to me for five cents or for ten cents, saying that he was going to get a job in a shoe factory. I always knew that the money was going for whiskey. He got many five-cent pieces from me and from many of my students. The money always went for whiskey. Years and years went by, and Nels always said that he was going to quit drinking. I knew he was not. He meant to. He would come saying that he was hunting for work, but I knew he was looking for another drink. That went on for years. One day I said to God, Heavenly Father, if you will give me Nels S., I will never despair of another man as long as I live. I do not know if it was the same week, but 
I am sure it was very soon after that, that Nels got his feet upon the rock, Jesus Christ, and never fell again. Years have passed. He is an honored member of my church. When I was home this summer, among those who came to welcome me was Nels, his wife, and his child, a happy family in Jesus Christ. The Christ who saved Nels, the lying, habitual, hopeless drunkard, can save any man or woman who will trust him. Third, any man can be saved who thinks he has committed the unpardonable sin, but who is willing to come to Jesus Christ now. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 37, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I think I have never gone to any place in my life where somebody has not written to me or come to me and said, I have committed the unpardonable sin. And almost everyone, if not everyone, has gone away rejoicing in Jesus Christ. I get letters every week from all over England, from people who tell me that they have committed the unpardonable sin. One time I received a letter from a broken-hearted father who was a Presbyterian minister. He wrote that he had a son who was in spiritual darkness. The son thought that he had committed the unpardonable sin and he was plunged into absolute despair. Would I take him at the Bible Institute? I replied that though I had sympathy with him in his sorrow, the Bible Institute was not designed to help cases like these, but to train men and women for Christian service. The father continued to write, begging me to take his son. He even got other friends to plead for him. Finally, I consented to take the young man. He was sent to me under guard, lest he do some rash thing along the way. When he was brought to my office, I showed him to a seat. As soon as the others had left the room, he began the conversation by saying, I am possessed by the devil. I think quite likely you are, I replied, but Christ is able to cast out devils. You do not understand me, he said. I mean that the devil has entered into me as he did into Judas Iscariot. That may be, I answered, but Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Now he says in John chapter 6, verse 37, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. If you will just come to him, he will receive you and set you free from Satan's power. The conversation went on in this way for some time, he constantly asserting the absolute hopelessness of his case and me constantly asserting the power of Jesus Christ and his promise. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. After a while, I sent the young man to his room. Days and weeks passed, and we had many conversations, always along the same line. I always held him to John chapter 6, verse 37. One day, I met him in the hall of the institute and made up my mind that the time had come to have the battle out. I told him to sit down, and I sat down beside him. Do you believe the Bible? I asked. Yes, he replied, I believe everything in it. Do you believe John chapter 6, verse 37? I asked. Yes, I believe everything in the Bible. Do you believe that Jesus Christ told the truth when he said, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out? Yes, I do. I believe everything in the Bible. Well then, will you come? I have committed the unpardonable sin. I replied, 
Jesus does not say, Him that hath not committed the unpardonable sin that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I have sinned willfully after I have received the knowledge of the truth. Jesus does not say, Him that has not sinned willfully after he received the knowledge of the truth that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I have once been enlightened, and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have fallen away. It is impossible to renew me again unto repentance. Jesus does not say, Him that has not tasted of the heavenly gift, and has not fallen away, if he cometh to me, I will in no wise cast him out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I am possessed of the devil, he answered. Jesus does not say, Him that is not possessed of the devil that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I mean that the devil has entered into me, as he did into Judas Iscariot. Jesus does not say, Him that the devil has not entered into, as he did into Judas Iscariot, that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But my heart is as hard as a millstone. Jesus does not say, If a man's heart is soft and tender, and he comes unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I do not know that I have any desire to come. Jesus does not say, Him that hath a desire to come and comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I do not know that I can come in the right way. Jesus does not say, Him that cometh to me in the right way, I will in no wise cast him out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Well, I don't know that I care to come. Jesus does not say, Him that cares to come to me and comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The man's excuses and evasions were exhausted. I looked him squarely in the face and said, Now will you come? Get down on your knees and quit your nonsense. He knelt, and I knelt by his side. Now, I said, follow me in prayer. Lord Jesus, my heart is as hard as a millstone, I said. He repeated, Lord Jesus, my heart is as hard as a millstone. I have no desire to come to you, but you have said in your word, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I have no desire to come to you, but you have said in your word, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now I know how I come. You have said, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now I know how I come. You have said, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I believe this statement of yours. Therefore, though I don't feel it, I believe you have received me. I believe this statement of yours, therefore, though I don't feel it, I believe you have received me. When he had finished, I said, Did you really come? He replied, I did. Has he received you? I do not feel it, he replied. But what does he say? 
him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Is this true? Does Jesus tell the truth or does he lie? He tells the truth. What then must he have done? He must have received me. Now, I said, go to your room. Stand firmly on this promise of Jesus Christ. The devil will give you an awful conflict, but just answer him every time with John chapter 6, verse 37, and stand right there, believing what Jesus says in spite of your feelings, in spite of what the devil may say, and in spite of everything. He went to his room. The devil did give him an awful conflict, but he stood firmly on John chapter 6, verse 37, and came out of his room triumphant and radiant. Years have passed since then. Though the devil has tried again and again to plunge him into despair, he has stood firmly on John chapter 6, verse 37, and he is today being used of God to do larger work for Christ than almost any man I know. He is the author of that hymn, Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary, mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Lastly, anyone can be saved who will come to Jesus. Scripture, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and he that heareth, let him say, Come, and he that is athirst, let him come. He that will, let him take the water of life freely. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. Come now. Come. Come.